Hello. Hello. It's good to be with you this weekend. I also hope you had a really good Thanksgiving. Uh, so I wanted to tell you about something that happens a couple times a year that uh, it, it just racks me with guilt. Um, when this happens, uh, I'll usually be getting ready for bed uh, and brushing my teeth, and I'll look myself in the mirror, and I'll make eye contact with myself. And I'll just have the sense of disappointment and shame of just like, how could I get myself in this position again? Um, have I really learned nothing? Am I still a child? And the reason for feeling this way in these situations is always the same. I have a dentist appointment the next day, and I haven't flossed. Um, not I haven't flossed enough. I haven't flossed at all. The last time my teeth were flossed was at the previous dentist appointment, and the dental hygienist flossed my teeth, and I just assumed I was good for the next six months. Um, so I feel this way because I know what's going to happen the next day. It's always the same. I'm going to be laying on the table, and uh, the hygienist always asks the same question, have you been flossing regularly? But you hear the judgment in their voice, because they know. I don't know how they know, but somehow they know. Even if you flossed the night before, they know. But they ask the question because they want you to say it. They want you to feel the weight of your negligence. Um, and... So a few weeks ago, I had a dentist appointment, and it was exactly as I expected. I was laying on the table, and the hygienist was doing her thing, and she asked the question, have you been flossing regularly? And I said, no. And uh, she said, you really should be flossing regularly. And I felt so bad. Like, I almost apologized. And then I thought, why would I apologize? These are my teeth. I don't owe this person anything. Um, got kind of defensive, I guess. And uh, so she kept doing her thing, but then she paused and she said, hmm, you know, it looks like you have mild gingivitis. I thought, what? I can't have gingivitis. That's never happened at these before. And then it kind of like dawned on me, I'm almost 30. Maybe I can get gingivitis. It's beginning, oh no. And like, it was just this reality check on all different levels. But uh, she sent me on my way with some special toothpaste and some instructions like floss. Um, and for the past few weeks, I've actually been doing pretty good at this, uh, better than I have before. This whole gingivitis thing has been a little bit of uh, a kicker that I think is going to break this cycle that I've been stuck in of never flossing, going to the dentist, getting cleaned up, being told to floss, not flossing, going to the dentist, getting cleaned up, being told to floss, and repeat over and over. Uh, but there's a similar cycle that we're all too familiar with. I can't tell you how many times that I've sinned and I've gone to Jesus in repentance and I've asked for forgiveness, which he gives, of course. Uh, but then I feel compelled to try harder and do better and kind of fix the things that went wrong last time. But before I know it, I'm back at square one, having messed up again. And when this has happened back to back to back to back, like multiple times in a row in a short period of time, it feels like I'm stuck in this cycle that I can't get out of. 
And when it does happen back to back to back, sometimes it feels less like a cycle and more like this downward spiral where I'm not improving at all. I'm getting worse at the things that I'm feeling terrible for. I'm not getting any closer to Jesus. I'm actually getting farther away. But that's not how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like that. And there's something in the passage that we're looking at today that breaks this cycle. Uh, We're jumping ahead in the book of Luke a few chapters. We've been journeying through it together for a while now. Um, And we're taking a look at this passage because it speaks a little bit to the season that we're in, but it really speaks to anyone who feels stuck in this way. Uh, So if you have any form of a Bible with you, whether it's electronic or not, you're welcome to turn with me there. We are also going to have these verses on the screens. Uh, We're in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 13 which says this. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So Jesus is traveling south through Israel. He's heading towards Jerusalem. When he gets there, that's when he's going to be crucified. Uh, And as he's passing through the middle region of Israel, he's going through this village, and there's these 10 men that have leprosy. And they call out to him saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Heal us is what they're asking for. Leprosy is nasty. Um, Leprosy is a skin disease. It covers the entire body in sores, in open wounds, in scars. Uh, It covers your face and your body in these bumps that form, and then they just get bigger and bigger. It just disfigures you horribly. But there's other symptoms, too, because you can lose your eyesight from leprosy. Uh, It can deaden your nerves, so you can injure yourself without knowing it and lose limbs because it never gets treated. The worst kinds of leprosy are flesh eating. It literally eats away at your body. And back then, there was no treatment. There was no cure. These 10 men, they were out of options. So they went to Jesus for help. The other thing was, back then, if it was discovered that you had leprosy, uh, you were immediately required to make this known to everyone. So what you were supposed to do is you're supposed to tear your clothing. Uh, you weren't allowed to make your hair nice. You had to leave it unkept. Uh, you had to cover your mouth. And these were the exact things that you would do if you were in mourning over someone close to you who had died. Except in this case, you would be mourning your own death because to the community, you were dead. Once it came out that you had leprosy, you had to remove yourself from everyone. You weren't allowed to live in the city or the village or the town that you were in. You had to live outside of this community alone by yourself. You were immediately separated from your friends, from your family, your spouse, your kids, your brothers, your sisters, your parents, your grandparents, everyone. And back then, family was a big deal. It's how you survived. And you were separated from them. And anytime anyone came close to you, you had to shout at them, unclean, unclean, so that they wouldn't get close to you. You had to let them know. And this is why they were shouting at Jesus from a distance. They were keeping their distance from Jesus. Now, I don't have leprosy. Uh, I have gingivitis. Um, But I don't have leprosy. But I know what it's like to have sinned and feel covered in it. 
like there's these sores festering all over me and they can't be washed off. Like they've become a part of me. It feels like that it disfigures me. It's, it's ugly. It's disgusting. I hate myself for what I've done. And I think for these 10 men, uh, worse than the symptoms might be the isolation that they were forced into, just cut off from community. And I know what that feels like too, because sin has this separating effect. Uh, if you struggle with anger, it can separate you from peace. It can separate you from your family. Uh, if we struggle with pride, it can separate us from ourselves. It can separate us from community. If we struggle with porn, it can separate us from the freedom of living a pure life. It can separate us from a healthy relationship, whether it's dating or marriage. If we are stuck in a lie that we've told, it can separate us from living an open and honest life. But sometimes just the, the sheer shame of what we've done can separate us from other people, like these 10 men. Um, just this feeling of disgust with ourselves can make us believe that we don't deserve to be around other people, these people that really care about us. And that's what we honestly really need in those moments. But internally, we're just screaming, unclean, unclean, stay away from me. But sometimes the biggest separation that we can feel, the one that's the hardest, is the one that we see here. And that's a separation from Jesus. To have sinned and feel this distance from Jesus can be heartbreaking. To have this feeling of just wanting to run into his arms, but feel like we have to shout at him from a distance because of what we've done, that's tough. That's really tough. So these 10 men, they're shouting at Jesus from a distance. And he responds in verse 14, it says this. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So these 10 men, they approach Jesus. They call out to him from a distance, asking for help. And he tells them to go and see the priests. And on their way to going and seeing the priests, they're healed. Now, the priests, they have a very specific function. And it's interesting what Jesus asks these men to do. He doesn't tell them to see the priests because he doesn't have time for them. And even if that was the case, there's nothing that the priests could do about these men's leprosy. Uh, they can't heal leprosy. Jesus tells them to go and see the priests because the priests are who you see when you have been healed. The priests, they look you over to make sure that you're healthy, and then they reintroduce you back into the community that you've been separated from. So Jesus tells these 10 men, go and see the priests, and they all obey, and on their way to see the priests, they're healed. Now, if we're making connections between leprosy and sin, we see these men responding to Jesus in a way that we tend to respond to Jesus after we have repented. These men, they're told to go and see the priests, and they immediately go and see the priests, but they've missed something. And we tend to miss this too. See, after we've repented and we've asked for forgiveness, it's really easy to jump straight into trying harder, into doing better, because it feels good. Forgiveness, honestly, is something that is hard to accept sometimes. Uh, we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We haven't paid for it. And sometimes that can create this tension inside of us that feels unresolved. And when we're feeling that way, it can feel good to do something about it. So 
we try harder, we do better with this mindset of like, well, maybe I can pay Jesus back for what he did for me. Maybe I can make this right. Maybe I can fix it. But that's not what obedience is for at all. If we were to view obedience as penance, as repayment, that would be like a gambling addict who had a significant amount of debt from his gambling habit going to someone and asking for money because he believes that he can take this money and gamble with it and win enough to pay off the debt that he has. So he takes this money and he goes to the tables and he loses it all. And then he goes back and he asks for more money and he takes this money takes it and loses it. All he's doing is just accumulating more and more and more debt. Now the truth is, we're in a similar situation in the sense that no amount of obedience can pay off the debt that we owe. But here's what we tend to miss, and here's what they miss. If we have put our trust in Jesus, there is no debt The debt that we owe was paid for a couple thousand years ago when Jesus died on the cross for it. And we have this mindset of like there's this deficit there, but it's not. It's already been paid in full. The moment that we put our trust in Jesus, all of the forgiveness that we will ever need is immediately applied to us. But we tend to miss that. If we jump immediately into trying better and doing, doing more, trying to fix it ourselves, we miss this, just like these 10 men did. See, Jesus told them to go and see the priests, and what he really said just kind of went right over their heads, because you only go and see the priests if you've been healed. So by telling these men to go and see the priests, Jesus is telling them, you're healed, Go and see the priests. And they missed it, except for one. Because take a look at verse 15 and 16. It says this, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. So all 10 of these men are healed, and then they just keep going, except for one. He looks, and he sees what has happened, and he turns back, and he starts heading towards Jesus. And on the way, he's praising God, and when he gets to Jesus, he falls at Jesus' feet, and then he thanks him. This man, he stopped, and when he saw, he looked at his skin, and he saw that those sores that were there were completely removed. They're gone. He's clean again. He was so filled with gratitude that he turned around and he headed towards Jesus. And because he turned back, he experienced some things that the other nine didn't experience who kept going. When he got to Jesus, he fell at Jesus' feet and then he thanked him. Now, this is really significant. For one, it's significant for this guy because for who knows how long he has been separated from the healthy community. This is the first time in a very long time that he has had any close contact with another human being. He's falling at Jesus' feet, maybe even touching them. This is a huge moment for him. But there is something about this that we can't miss. Out of the 10 men who are healed, he is the only one who got close to Jesus. At the beginning of this, they called out to Jesus from a distance. And it doesn't say that Jesus approached them. It doesn't say that Jesus touched them. 
All it says is that Jesus told them to go and see the priest, and they did. They never got close to him, except for the one who turned back. He's the only one out of the 10 who actually got close to Jesus. And when he did, he began to thank him. He gave him thanks. And this is really significant too, because that phrase, give him thanks in the Bible, is only used in the context of someone speaking to God. So he is showing gratitude to Jesus in a way that was only reserved for God. So we see that this man, he got close to Jesus and he didn't just get close to him, but he realized who Jesus actually was. He's God. He saw him for who he was. See, gratitude has this interesting effect of of bringing us closer to the person that we're showing gratitude to. Um, When we show gratitude, we look the person in the eyes. We see them for who they are, things between us, boundaries, walls that we've put up. They come down because to express gratitude, real gratitude, is to admit to the other person that they just did something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. And that's humbling. That's vulnerable. That kind of vulnerability, it removes things that separate people and it brings them closer together. A few weeks ago at my dentist appointment, when the hygienist got done doing this deep clean of my gums, uh, I sat up from the table and I was about to leave, uh, but then I felt compelled to say something. So I looked at her and I said, you know, I am really thankful for what you just did for me. That's not something I could have done for myself. So thank you. And if I remember right, she kind of like stepped back a little bit. She was kind of surprised. People probably don't do that normally. But I was surprised too because I wasn't expecting that by saying that we would get a little bit closer together. Something between us was broken down. See, before saying that, she was the dental hygienist, but after saying that, she was Kathy. And honestly, I'm excited to go back in a few months and show Kathy that I've been flossing, Um, which wouldn't have happened before. Like, normally I'd be dreading it, but like every time I floss, I'm like, she's going to know that I flossed because they know. Somehow they know. But the really cool thing about this guy, when he got close to Jesus, he saw something that the other nine missed out on. He saw who Jesus was. His gratitude slowed him down and got him close enough to really see who Jesus was. On Hollywood Boulevard, uh, outside of that uh, famous ornate movie theater, uh, there's a lot of people who make their living as celebrity lookalikes. They dress up in costumes like Darth Vader and Iron Man and, and Stormtroopers and things like that. But the really impressive ones are the people who actually look like the celebrities that they are portraying. Like their face looks the same, they have the same build, and so they wear outfits from these famous movies and tourists come by and they take pictures with them and they give them tips. Um, One of the more famous ones of these or recognizable ones are people who look like Arnold Schwarzenegger dressing up as the Terminator. Um, They put on the sunglasses and the leather jacket and they walk around doing lines from the movie and the voice. Well, I was watching this video on YouTube and the real Arnold Schwarzenegger dressed up as the Terminator and he had his makeup done and he wore this pair of sunglasses and he walked around Hollywood Boulevard And what happened was fascinating. No one paid any attention to him at all 
because they thought he was just a lookalike, like he was walking up to people doing lines from the movie, which I won't do. And he would do them and they would just kind of be like, okay. Because they thought like it was just this guy pretending to be something that he wasn't. And there were a few tourists that came up to him and they said, hey, can we get our picture with you? And he agreed. And so they gathered around him and they got their picture taken and they walked away thinking to themselves, wow, that was really cool. He looked a lot like Arnold Schwarzenegger, totally missing out on the fact that they just took a picture with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But there were a few tourists who came up to him and they asked if they could take a picture with him. And then something caused them to stop. They slowed down and they looked at his face And then they got kind of close, and then their eyes got really big, and they took a step back, and they said, you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then he did more lines from the movie and stuff. But those people, they got to take a picture with Arnold Schwarzenegger, when everyone else who did the exact same thing, they didn't. These 10 men, all 10 of them, they believed that Jesus could heal them. There was no doubt in their mind about that. And all 10 of them, they probably thought that he was a prophet or something, It wouldn't be the first time that God had given a prophet the ability to heal other people. And when they got what they were looking for, they just kept going, except for the one who turned back. He slowed down, and he walked towards Jesus, and he fell at his feet, and he thanked him, and he saw him for who he really was, God himself. And the thing that allowed him to do that was gratitude. Gratitude gives us the ability to stop and slow down and get close to Jesus and see who he really is. But how often are we like the nine who just keep going? We get what we came for, we got our picture taken, and then we just move on to trying harder, to doing better, to fixing it ourselves, and we just end up back at square one. But gratitude breaks that cycle. See, I think we put so much emphasis on what we need to do after we've asked for forgiveness that we think that obedience, trying harder, doing better is the immediate response that Jesus is looking for. But it's not. Take a look at how he responds to this guy. Verses 17 through 19. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So this man, he returns and he falls at Jesus's feet and he thanks him. And Jesus's response is just one. Where is everybody else? Like, you can almost see the disappointment on his face in reading this. Again, we put so much emphasis on immediate action. We've gotten forgiven. Okay, what do we need to do to make this better? How do I need to try harder? How do I need to do better? That we miss it. We think that that is the response that Jesus is looking for in those moments, but it's not. Clearly, we see here that the response that Jesus is looking for is gratitude. It's praise. All 10 of these men had faith that Jesus could heal them. And all 10 of these men asked him for help. All 10 of these men obeyed and all 10 of these men were healed. But to the one who turned back, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. There's a distinction here that we can't miss. 
Again, all 10 of these men had faith. All 10 of them obeyed. All 10 of them were healed. But to the one who came back, Jesus said, your faith is different. See, the nine who kept going, they had faith in what Jesus could do. But to the one who turned back, he had faith in who Jesus was. And the difference is huge. Any time that God provides for us, whether it's forgiveness or physical healing or emotional healing or, or financial provision, those experiences are amazing. They can show us what God can do. But without gratitude, we miss what God really wants us to see in those moments. See, faith without gratitude only shows us what God can do. But faith with gratitude shows us who God is. And that is the kind of faith that we need. That is what we need to be able to see when the cancer comes back, when the bottom falls out and we're broke again, when we experience a new kind of trauma, when we return to him having done what we promised we would never do again. We need to know who God is in those moments are. Otherwise, we wouldn't get close to him. All 10 of these men, they were healed of their leprosy. And I have no doubt in my mind that the leprosy never came back. But back then, you were lucky if you lived to 30. Really lucky if you lived to 40. And one of the main contributors to that is the fact that they didn't have modern medicine back then. So it is not a stretch to believe that all 10 of these men, not long after, probably contracted some other disease and then died from it. And for the nine who kept going, if this were to happen to them, they would be back at square one, back right where they started when they were at a distance from Jesus asking him for help. But for the one who turned back, on his deathbed, he is thinking about the time that he met Jesus for the first time. And he's thinking about the fact that he's about to see him again. Anytime we experience provision from God, whether it's grace or mercy, if we don't have gratitude, we're not able to slow down and get close enough to see what he really wants us to see. Faith without gratitude only shows us what God can do. Faith with gratitude shows us who he is, and that's what he wants us to see. When I started studying this and learning these things, I started trying to practice it. So anytime uh, I went to God in repentance, I tried to respond in gratitude after I asked for forgiveness, and I wasn't expecting it to be as difficult as it was. I was expecting this really powerful moment where I'd feel like I was falling at Jesus's feet and he would say something to me like he said to the one who turned back, but that didn't happen. I thought it was going to be easy, but it wasn't. And I think this is the reason why. Grace is not something that brings Jesus closer to us like bait. Sorry, gratitude. Gratitude is not something that brings Jesus closer to us like bait. Gratitude is something that we do intentionally that moves us closer to him. It's a choice that we make. It's a movement that we make. Gratitude takes practice, it takes effort, and it takes faith, especially when God does not respond in the ways that we are hoping that he would. But as I kept 
practicing this, something I found was every time it got a little bit easier and a little bit easier and a little bit easier, and it felt like that distance between us was getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and we're getting closer and closer and closer. See, without gratitude, that cycle of sinning and repenting and being forgiven and then trying harder and then failing and sinning and repenting and asking for forgiveness and doing better just on repeat, it's like a broken record with the needle just skipping back and back and back and back and back. But what gratitude does is it picks up the needle and it sets it on the track again so that the song can continue. Gratitude allows us to hear the rest of the song, which is meant to be this gradual progression closer and closer to God. See, with gratitude, when we sin, yeah, we might feel like we're at a distance and we repent, we shout out to him from a distance maybe, and we ask for forgiveness. But if we stop and we think about what just happened, that we truly were forgiven, that allows gratitude to begin to seep into our life. And if we point that towards him, if we thank Jesus for what he did, that gratitude brings us a little bit closer. And then when we move to obey, that obedience, it's not about paying him back. It's not about fixing anything. Obedience now becomes reconnecting with the things that our sin has separated us from, including Jesus. So that moves us even closer. And then we will sin again, but when we repent and we ask for forgiveness and we show gratitude, we get closer. And then we obey and we get closer. And then we sin then we repent and we ask for forgiveness and then we show gratitude and we move closer and then we obey and we move closer. Gratitude allows us to make this progression closer and closer to Jesus. And every time we get a glimpse more and more of who he truly is. For the nine men who kept going, this is the story about how they got healed from leprosy. And it's a short one and it ends here. For the one who turned back, this is the story about how we met Jesus. And this is the beginning of that story. And it's ongoing because he's with him right now as we speak. Faith without gratitude only shows us what God can do. But faith with gratitude shows us who God is. Let's pray. I just want to give you a few moments to, to wrestle with some stuff here. Um, if you're comfortable with your eyes closed, um, I want you to picture Jesus standing in front of you. How far away is he as you're picturing this in your head? How distant does he feel from you? Now, maybe in this image you're embracing him, and that's awesome. But if you do feel any kind of distance, what is that about? Is there something you did that you need to ask forgiveness for? Do you feel like that there is something about you that would make him not want to get close to you? Do 
that's the case, I just want to point out something really quickly. The man who turned back was a Samaritan. And back then, Samaritans were seen as the least religious, the most unqualified for God's time or attention. But the way that Jesus responded to him shows that he doesn't care about any of that stuff. So no matter where you are or what you've done, what your history is, that doesn't limit you on what can happen next. So if you're feeling distant and and there's something that you need to ask forgiveness for, I just want to give you a moment to ask Jesus for forgiveness. So go ahead and do that right now if that's something you feel like you need to do. The man who turned back, before he turned back, the very first thing that happened was he saw that he was healed. Take a moment and think about the fact that what you just asked forgiveness for is forgiven. It's gone. It's separated from you as far as the east is from the west. There is no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. Sit in that for a second. Now, knowing that there's nothing left to be done about that, right now you have the opportunity to turn to Jesus and move closer to him in gratitude. So now take a moment and just thank him for what just occurred just now and what he did millennia ago to pay for that to be possible. Jesus, we cannot fully wrap our minds around everything that you've done for us. We never will be able to fully. But we pray that this would be the beginning of a lifetime of growing in that. And right now, we take time to do that in worship.